0: We will hear this morning from three trips: <clears throat> Campus Conquest, the trip that went to Baja, and the trip under the title "I Care." And to begin this morning, Campus Conquest, I think it's Wiley and Worley Kennedy. Let's welcome these men
1: to the platform. What an what an incredible time we had the uh, past Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday as we went into three of the college campuses. And, you know, I was thinking as as we went, how people notice the name Jesus Christ, and people have to make a choice, and that's that's truly what happened as we went in these campuses. Um, and we have four, three students and one faculty member that this morning Wiley and I could stand up here and share with each of you what went on. But I think if, if if some of the the students that were a part of our trip and then the one faculty member could could share in even a greater way of how the <clears throat> the trip impacted their lives. So if they come up now. On um, Wednesday, we went to Pierce College, and they didn't even know we were, excuse me, Valley College, and they didn't even know we were there. 120 students, three charter buses, and they never knew we were there until we had gone. Then on Thursday, we went to CSUN, we, uh, a lot larger campus, um, played slow-mo football and, and infiltrated the campus. And then Friday, we ended up at Pierce College, and uh, just an incredible time. But first, I'd like to ask Angie Huddleston if she'd come up and share a few things. Angie, What? Uh, what? Tell, tell everybody of one experience that you had, maybe some of you shared with during that time. Okay,
2: at Pierce College, I shared with a girl named Cindy, and I shared with her for about two and a half hours, and she was very, very hard against the gospel. The question she kept coming up with was, why does God allow so much suffering? And finally, at the end of those two hours, she shared with me that she was in a very tragic car accident two summers ago. And she's still suffering from that. She still has seizures and goes into the hospital a lot. And so she cannot understand why God would allow anything like that. And she didn't even believe there was a God. She didn't believe there was a heaven and a hell. And God really gave me a neat opportunity to share with her and build a really neat friendship. Half the time was just spent in laughing and telling jokes and just telling different stories about our lives. So it was a really neat time, but it really showed me that the world, especially the collegiates, are really lost. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, so Sherry, what was the response after you talked to her? You say for two hours? Yeah. How, how, did, how did she finally respond as, as you left her?
2: Well, uh, we left just, she asked me for my phone number and said that she wanted to call me. And she, I really challenged her to read the Bible. I, I challenged her to start in John and read through the whole New Testament to form her own opinion of who God is so when we left she was really interested she said where do I get a Bible and what other books do I need and she said that um, she would really be thinking about what we talked about and so either this week or next week I'm gonna try and get in touch with her and just see if she has any more questions and if there's a way I can answer them
1: so so just like Russ said this morning just planting those seeds. yeah Angie why don't you share something now that you've gone to, to the campus and you shared your faith, something that, that you're going to do as a result of that, just what's in your own personal life.
2: Okay. Um, one of the main things I learned through this whole thing was the power of prayer. I had many people come up to me afterwards as they saw Cindy and I sitting there, and they said, We just we just got a group and we prayed for you, and you just do not know how much that meant because I really felt the Holy Spirit with me. as He just brought things to my mind about what to say to her, and um my life has already changed in the way of prayer i'm beginning to see the the importance of praying for other people and especially as they are um witnessing and on the mission field this summer i've always wanted to go on summer missions and i don't think the lord's leading me there but i think the lord is calling me to pray for each one of you by name um for certain people as you are going out on the summer missions people that you'll be um witnessing to I just really saw how important that is and the kind of power that can have.
1: I mean, it's it's easy as we're here on the the Christian college campus to, to lose sight of our God and just how dependent we are on God. So good. Thanks, Angie. We also had the privilege on this trip to have one of our faculty members go with us. And that's always encouraging to just know that, that they're there and they're supportive. And Dr. Greer went with us. Uh, Dr. Greer's a, a history professor here uh, and, and went with us. And if you could share for us one of your experiences on the, the trip.
3: One of the things that really struck me when we uh, were on the Cal State Northridge campus, uh, a student named Wayne and I were witnessing We ran across a guy who had never been in a church service. Never. He knew nothing about the Bible, knew nothing about God. I guess some vague ideas from Christmas or Easter or something, but, uh, he said he'd never been in a church. And, uh, uh, Wayne was doing most of the talking on, on that person and he gulped and kind of started, well, in the beginning, God created. (laughs) And, uh, he really did a good job explaining to this fella the basics of Uh, God revealing himself in the Old Testament uh, on into uh, the revelation of Christ in the New. And uh, the the student, uh, I'm sure most, if not all of it, was new to him. Uh, But he heard it. He heard it. And it's up to him to think about it. And God will use the results in one way or another.
1: You know, it's, it's amazing as as I talked to to some students, and I, as Dr. Greer would say, how many of the students had just been so brainwashed, literally brainwashed through their classes. Through there's many Bible classes on these secular campuses. How they had been brainwashed and just so caught into just the secular secularism. Was amazing. Well, as, as now as you've gone, as you were there for for two of the days, what is per, perhaps an insight that you saw or something that you learned that you might could share with the students?
3: Oh well, I was convicted. I uh, know that I need to share my faith more, and that um, I can do it because of God. Uh, Wayne said something uh, as we were eating lunch the first day. We had really had to. Good encounters with people the first day, and, uh, Wayne said, Boy, I didn't think I would ever have the guts to do something like this. Then he said, It doesn't take guts, it takes God. He's right.
1: Thanks, Dr. Greer. It was really encouraging, too, as Dr. Greer was there, and he just taking some of our students that had never shared before and, and, and taking them out, and just a real help to us. A third student, uh, Kayla, uh, Kayla Hansel, um, actually had even a little bit of a cross-cultural experience. It's amazing as you go to a big campus and there's all the people from different countries and some of them don't speak much English. And, and Kayla had, had that kind of experience. So Kayla, if you could share a little bit about that.
4: I got to share with a, a wide variety of religions like um, Buddhism and and the Jewish religion and and also Catholicism. And But the, the um, real exciting experience I had I got to share with a Spanish lady. She was probably in her 30s. She had two kids, and she was at a vending machine at CSUN and that was her job—is to just sit out there in front and sell food to the kids. And she was—I asked her. We just—I asked her what she was doing here and and how long she had been working. We just kind of got into a conversation, and and then and then I just asked her if she knew where she would be going when she died, and she just said well I hope I'll be going to heaven and she really didn't know and so then we just got into a conversation and she was Catholic but she didn't like the religion at all and um, so we got into the conversation she didn't really understand me and I didn't understand her but we talked really slow and it it made me regret regret not um, applying myself in my Spanish class but we got we got through it and she wanted tracks and she wanted um which she wanted things to read because she could read a lot better than she could um listen to me and so i got her some tracks and she read it and then i came back later and she had some questions but she couldn't remember what they were but she took she took my phone number and and she wants to call me and i told her about the spanish class or um service that is at grace and so she wants to call me and and find a time that she can meet me there and, and go, because she's really interested in um, finding out more about God.
1: That's good. It's, and I think Kayla would agree, just in all of our classes, the Bible classes, especially, so often you go and you share your faith, and and you heard something in class, and and but you can't remo- quite remember it when you're telling them. And so, man, we we just got a great, uh, awesome privilege here in the things that we're learning. Kayla, what is something now that you've gone that, that that you would do differently in your life, or do as a result of going and sharing your faith?
4: Um, two things that I learned and that I want to do differently is show my love more that God has given me, and and by the love he's given me to um, take that and to share his word. Because, like, in the summer in my, in my job and where I'm involved secularly, it's, I haven't applied myself and I haven't um, taken his word to the people who are lost. And by seeing these college people, which, in, which I work in a department store, so I, I, um, I, I work with um, college-age people, and seeing their need and seeing how lost they are, I can take that and share with them and share it in love.
1: Thanks, Kev. Appreciate it. In, in Pampa, Texas, we don't always run into the people that we do out here. And Reagan Eddins is going to come and share a little bit about the experience he had. So Reagan, if you'd come. Well, um,
5: Wednesday at Valley College, I had been talking to some people, you know, but um, it wasn't, I wasn't getting a lot of response from people, but I I met one guy. His name was Daniel. Daniel Solomon. He's from Ethiopia. He and his family have just come here from Ethiopia, and uh, he it was incredible. I mean, what? Let me just tell you that eventually, after I talked to him, he accepted Christ as his Savior, and it was <laughs> uh, yeah, I was excited too. But um, what uh, what I noticed was that. His heart was re- was really prepared, just as John was saying earlier last week, was that you got to be prepared, but their heart has to be prepared. And people had been sharing the gospel with him. And as I went through the gospel outline, he could basically tell me everything that I was going to say. It just he just didn't know how to um, accept Christ as his Savior. And it was exciting for me to be able to pray with him and. And it's just, it's gonna be, it's gonna change my life because i have been people, i have been seeing people come to know the Lord through DE. I'm in DE and I've been seeing this, but I had never really actually myself led somebody to the Lord. And it just,
1: I just want to do it all the time. <laughs> Reagan, now, now that, now that he came to know the Lord and, uh, uh now what do you do? Uh, is he just left out there on his own? What 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 is your responsibility now? Well,
5: my responsibility now is to follow him up and I went and saw him yesterday at his at where he was working. And I was excited to see he's excited, you know. And <laughs> I was excited too.
1: I was excited to see him excited and but So we're all pretty excited, yeah. so Reagan, now that now that you've shared your faith, you're involved in D, and, and just as you would go on uh, with the rest of this year and even the rest of your life, how is just leading somebody to the Lord or going and sharing your faith? How's that impacting your life? What are some things that that you're going to continue to do?
5: Well, um, I just want to I just want to share with more people. I mean, I don't I see now I see people all the time, and I just want to tell them about it, tell them about what Christ has done in my life, and. And I think it's just, I'm just gonna be doing that, I mean do this more often with everybody I see that isn't a Christian, you know, and I just want to share with them.
1: Thanks Reagan. Man, just a, just an incredible opportunity. And I know that, that it just as we would share on the on the buses on the way home and people would interact and, and just have their input about each day and, and just an, an exciting time and, and I think if, if as we talked to the different people on the buses, the, the number one thing they said is that, that they don't want this just to be merely something they do once a year. But want it to be something that's just a part of their lives As Christians, as we go out As we're out in the um, the, the stores Or the, the the places that we eat That we would be sharing our faith
6: So how, how true that is um, Just to add that Out of these four, there were, you know, 80 others That had the same type of experience I wish we could bring them all up here um, Let me just share a little bit about what What it seemed like God was doing Throughout the whole, whole week We, uh the first day, we wanted to play slow-mo football to attract a crowd. We get to the campus, not sure if we're going to be able to play at Valley. I talked to the shepherd. He says, no, we're not going to. We, we can't do it. to jeopardize our study because the administration said no. And uh, I was a little bit discouraged. And then as the day went on, I, I'd walk around that campus, and I, I'd see about three people over here, and they were sharing, and, and, and a few more over here, and just all over the campus, people were spread out everywhere. And like Wardy said, when we when we began, that uh, they never knew we were there, except one or two or three people came to know Christ to begin to impact that that campus. Same with CSUN. We we got there that the, on Thursday, didn't know if we were going to play slow mo. They said no. We found out a little bit later that we would be able to play. We played slow mo, um, attracted a crowd. People were there, and some more heard the gospel. It was an incredible time for us. A really incredible time. How did it impact, I think, most of us the most? I think he gave us a, a compassion for people. A compassion for people. Sometimes we lose that here. Sometimes we really lose that. To go out and to see the lost world and to see someone and talk to someone who does not know Jesus Christ and then to tell you that there is no God, then to talk about Muhammad or Buddha or, or whomever and to say, there is no God, I don't believe. The last day I was with someone and we were sharing to this girl and we shared for 30 minutes. This girl had never even heard the gospel. She'd been to a Mormon church and she'd been to a Catholic church. She'd never heard the gospel before. We shared for 30 minutes. 30 minutes. I I explained the whole thing. We we talked about other religions and false religions. We talked about a lot of different things and we centered upon who Jesus Christ was. And, And I just asked her, I said, so what do you think? And basically her response was, I don't care. That's a challenge. A challenge for us to take advantage of that. To continue to live our lives as an example here, but to go out. To go out and reach this lost world. Let's do that, okay? Thanks.
0: Thank you very much for a great report. The next trip we'd like to hear from is a little different. It's a cross-cultural trip that goes down into Baja, California. It's our second year doing that. And it was initiated under the leadership of Paul Teasdale, who was a uh, missionary in Africa for a number of years, uh, most of his life, in fact, and now heads up the Master's Mission um, and is, uh, as a matter of fact, a member of the board of directors of the Master's College. And he was on this trip, but our, our school leadership came under Mark Tatlock, And uh, we thank the Lord for Mark. This trip started, what, Wednesday? You guys left Wednesday morning early and got back last night. So they're on a full, full agenda. And so Mark, come and share with us.
7: First of all, I'd just like to say I can't believe the missions trip is over. I don't know how you feel, but I feel like I'm just ready to go and hopefully that was the product of what this missions conference was about that we're just right now ready to go and do more it just gave us a little taste um... right now i just want to bring the whole team up there's a few of us and we just want to come up just so you see who, who we are and hopefully have the opportunity that as you see a face that you know maybe you will take the opportunity to learn from them something that they, they learned during this week because we don't all have the opportunity to share um, it's good to be back in the fellowship of people who speak English and love the Lord and just sing this morning. But I'll tell you this morning, I walked. Up, Danny, I don't recognize these people. I'm serious. You'll see in the slideshow on Friday that we did not look like this all week. They look really good. Um, let me just give you a quick rundown of what our trip was, and then I'll have a few of them share it individually. Uh, we left early Wednesday morning, and we drove down to a town called Tecate in Mexico. It's about um, about 40 miles across the border, if that far. And we went down there and we set up camp the first day. We camped the whole time, tents, everything, the whole action. And we camped the first day and we set up camp and we waited for the supplies because we did construction. That's the work we did. So um, we had to go out and buy the supplies the cement and things like that. And we all took naps because we were pretty exhausted from that first day of traveling and spent some time just sharing with each other and getting to know one another. The next day we got up really early, we'd have breakfast, we'd have a time around the fire with Paul Teasdale, and he'd lead us in the um, reading of the word and some time in prayer. Then we'd go out and we'd do construction from about, uh, that morning was about 9 until about 5 in the, in the evening, and we did construction all day. We worked on a building that was started last year, uh, leveling out floors. Um, covering a septic tank, uh, a whole bunch of stuff, we laid cement, we did all kinds of things like that, put up some paneling and, and inside it, some walls. Uh, so we were pretty tired, and then we'd come home at night about 5 o'clock, and we'd cook dinner, and we'd all sit around the campfire, and it was just a good time of sharing. I'll tell you, I didn't know we knew so many songs. We'd sing for hour after hour, of all those songs, remember when you were in Sunday school as a little kid, I, was, I couldn't believe we all knew them all, but we sang and we'd share, and it was a good time of fellowship next morning, next day was the same exact itinerary, we did that we came back, sang some more that night went to bed, we got up early on Saturday morning uh... loaded up and we went down to Ensenada which is uh, it's probably hundred miles away from Takati on the coast went to Ensenada, set up camp on the beach and uh... we took a little bit of break because we had been working really hard and we had the bruises and the the blisters and everything else to show you from that but uh we did that and we took an opportunity we rode some horses and just kinda of did some more cooking and spent some time in town and just getting a little exposed to the culture then uh... we uh... loaded up Sunday morning and we drove back spent some time in Tijuana and I'd just like to say from my own perspective that I'm very grateful for your prayers um, we saw them really carry us through sometimes uh, due to my driving a little bit. We kind of had a little accident on the way back into Tijuana and it could have been very serious, um, very serious. And matter of fact, I thought it was serious. And after the dust settled, we realized that no damage had really been done, and that we were all alive. But um, the consequences could have been consequences could have been much worse. And so I praise the Lord for that. But we spent some time in Tijuana and we got to share even there. Just one opportunity I'd like to share briefly is um, we were, not frustrated, but when you've been through an experience like many of you went out all week and shared your faith in English and you're all excited and you're talking to these people and you, you, know, you see people saved, we were down there just doing encouragement for a lot of believers who were there already. And um, once that seed's been planted, as, lo- as a lot of you know now, it's, it just burns within you. You want to share the gospel. You love to do that. And so about Saturday, I was really feeling that because I didn't have any opportunity to share. And so everybody else went horseback riding for about an hour. And I stayed back with Jay and we were working on dinner. And uh, so I really wanted to ride. You don't get an opportunity too often to do that. And so finally, someone came, one of the guys came up with the horse and said, here you go, I got this great horse for you. Let's go riding. I said, OK, so I hopped on. this horse was a dud. This horse was the absolute dud of the group because all I wanted to do was walk and barely do that. It was at the end of the day. So I'm going off and I'm by myself and I'm riding up the beach and um, this horse meets a friend of its. It's like it's, I don't know. And so um, it didn't want to go any farther and this horse was the dud too so they kind of just dudded along together. But the opportunity I had with that was there was a girl on that horse and because neither of those horses were going anywhere. And I had the chance to share the gospel with that girl because we were kind of trapped there on these lazy horses. And just if you're faithful to just watch, the Lord will give you opportunities and you just need to use that. What we'd like to do right now is just take an opportunity to share with you a few people who um, who hopefully had some changes in their life and maybe they can convey that to you. I'd like to start with Susan He.
8: This weekend was my first time to be in Mexico and... I had a great time. I really did, but at the same time, the Lord really changed my view of what missions is. Um, I think He changed it to a more realistic way, and um, I guess my view of missions is a lot more glamorous than what it really is. Um, I realized that early, <laughs> and um, I guess um, the Lord just really showed me that missions is a real service, and um, it's, it's not always fun and exciting as it seems to be. But um, it was really um, really good to have Paul Teesdale with us on our trip. Um, to see his life, it was just really encouraging. It was so evident that his perspective was eternal and that um, mm-hmm. material possessions and earthly things had little value to him. And um, the thing that I learned is just as I think about going on a missions trip this summer, or even possibly to the missions field, I need to be praying for a heart of passion for people, that I'll be willing to give up um, possessions, my family, um, because of my passion for the people.
9: Next we'd like to hear from Mark, Goy. Um, this trip, to me, when we left, I had absolutely no clue what we were doing. I knew we were going down to Baja, Mexico, and I knew we were going to ride horses on the beach. And uh, Mark got a dud, I had the best horse there, it was incredible. Anyways, but like Sue, the first time I'd ever, it was the first time I'd been to Mexico besides Tijuana, and I had a blast, I have a blast in Tijuana, but they all speak English. We got to this place, and it, I can't even describe the change that it did in my life seeing the way other people live it, it is absolutely incredible these people would live in homes that around here would have been condemned 20 to 30 years ago the triads over there would have gone for about a million dollars a piece down in Mexico it's it's incredible and it at first I got struck with with the poverty level and how how these people have to live and then you look around and six out of ten of these houses have satellite dishes on them And so it hit me that this is the way these people live, period, and this is the way they like to live. And that, that, I don't know what, I can't explain what that did to me. But just, uh, it brought about a feeling in me, the incredible blessing that God has brought on all of us in this room with the way we live. And compared to the way the people live down there, we are all blessed far more than than you could imagine. Another thing that that really hit home with me is I never really knew what a missionary was. I uh, figured a missionary was a guy that got sent out by a church, took some slides, came back, had a little presentation, and went back, you know, shared his faith with a few people. Um, I did not share my faith once with anybody down there. All we did was work. We uh, built a sewer. We worked a lot with a shovel mixing cement. And that's basically what missions is. So the, the the respect that was built in me for missionaries was also incredible. And uh, I too would also like to thank you everyone for prayers, as I got I got pretty sick down there, and uh, it didn't really slow me down as far as for the working and and for the times that we needed to be doing things. But other than that, I was wiped out. But I would also like to encourage everyone here to always pray. For missionaries that you, that you know of because it, it is an incredible experience being out on the mission field in a different culture when you can't understand what a person's saying, they can't understand the thing you're saying and they really need your prayers. Thanks.
7: Kristen Sims?
10: Um, like everyone else, I'm really thankful that I had the opportunity to go down there. Um, I think I changed more and learned more in those five days than I have in the past year. Um, above all else I was humbled I saw how those people lived down there and the conditions that they lived under and it made me for the first time in my life really realize how much God has blessed me with and also how selfish I am Um, I think it's it's really hard to fully understand how much you how much God has given you until you've been placed in a culture where they have practically nothing Um, where we worked at at the Bible Institute, the people were great, they were so loving and they had very little but yet they were very very giving and it didn't matter that we couldn't communicate with them very very well because our common bond was Jesus Christ um, and if there's one thing that, that I would encourage you to do is this summer, if you can, go on a missions trip um, if you can't do that go to a local cross-cultural church just to experience it um, It'll change your life. It gives you a completely different perspective and a different vision. And again, I have to thank everybody for the prayers, too. It was hard work, especially for me, because I'm really wimpy, and I hate to work. So it was really good for me, and I learned a lot. The
7: last guy we like to share is, uh, like to share is our translator, Jay Flowers. <laughs> It helped us out a lot of times. He speaks Spanish fluently, and he's a good cook, too. So, Jay, why don't you tell us what you learned?
11: This trip positively changed my life. Um, I'd been to Mexico before. I live about 10 miles from the border, so i go down to eat dinner and do things like that. But I'd never really got in touch with the culture a little bit deeper into Mexico. I made uh, some close friends with some guys at the institute there, the Bible Institute. I think the thing that struck me the hardest was their fervency for Christianity. They don't have the materialism that we have. They don't have the things. They don't have the cars. They don't have all the things that can cloud our vision down there. The first question these guys would ask me is, hey, is your family saved? I mean, does your family know the Lord? That's really important to me. Is your family saved? Can we pray for them? Um, ladies would come up to us and just start you know, talking really quickly about the prayer requests that they had in their lives. And it wasn't a matter of, You know, let's get to know each other. You know, what are you feeling inside? It was like, hey, we have needs. Tell me your needs. Let's pray. Let's get back and forth on this thing. And that really struck me. Even as a deficiency in my life and convicted me, I need to have that fervency in my life, too. Also working with Paul Teasdale, it was just really awesome to get to know him and get to know his personality. I think before I met him and before going down there, my view of a uh, missionary was kind of like this guy with a pith helmet and the khakis and the uh, big butterfly net, you know, down in the jungle doing that kind of stuff. But Paul was really down to earth. A very intelligent man, and yet he used his hands like, you know, he was he was born in Kenya. And he just used his hands to uh, do the work. Not so much maybe evangelism in missionary work, but maybe it's just mixing cement. Maybe it is digging a sewer. The Lord doesn't have us. Um, I learned from him. The Lord doesn't have us on the mission field to to live in your tuxedos and to do everything that you learned at school just to be upright but also to get dirty and to just show the people that, that your Christianity is all around it, it touches all, all parts of your life and that just really struck me um, one friend I, I made over there his name is Edgar he came from Guatemala and uh, he took me up to his room up in their dorms there and he showed me around and their dorm was about this the uh, rooms were about the size of Hotchkiss but they were really run down you know, in a big way They uh, to-do room down there and he showed me his book collection. And just the fervency involved, I kind of figured, well, it's Mexico. They're not really going to have the, the quality of standards down there. This guy had, the classes. this guy had was biblical geography, um, homiletics. The classes you might find somebody taking up here. And the fervency involved in that, those classes that he had, he was just really committed to the word. I asked him, where are you going to go? He said, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just going to go wherever the Lord puts me. I just want to serve him. That's my, that's my biggest task and just the commitment they have there to, to the word and to the Lord really struck me creo que vamos a cantar un, un cantado que enseñamos en México y como se llama Tengo la goza en mi Corazón
0: Thank you very much. The next trip we'd like to review is the I care trip. I'm contacting Area Residents for Eternity and it works through Grace Baptist and how we thank the Lord for our local churches right here in the area. And Betty Price, would you come and share with us about that? And then I'm gonna after you're done, Betty, I've asked Bob to come. Because Bob ended up speaking in the Sunday morning services at Grace Baptist, and they had invited Bob to come and speak to kick off at Grace Baptist. Um, a whole week or a month, two weeks of missions emphasis in their church. And so providentially, we had, I don't know, 50 or 60 kids on their behalf from our college doing eye care. And then Bob shows up last Sunday, and so Bob will come and close in prayer and share some exciting things that happened from that. Betty.
12: I've asked several students to come and share really briefly, so why don't you all come on up here? Um, We had the incredible experience this last week of meeting people from every different kind of religious background, it seemed like, and probably some of you did, too, on your trips. It seemed like every day we were talking to Jehovah's Witnesses, to Mormons, to Christian scientists. We also met a lot of Jewish people. We talked with a lot of Roman Catholics, and we met a lot of people who just kind of made up their own religion, you know, their, their... putting their faith and trust for eternity in some sort of thing they've just kind of concocted in their head and they're hoping that that's going to be okay. One of my prayers for some time leading up to eye care had been that there would be more people home than there have been in the last couple of years. And uh, I was really encouraged after our group came back the first day, and somebody told me that because of we were in canyon country all the first day, that because of some of the facility problems with the school over there, they had canceled school and everybody who went to the school was at home instead. So I think he gave us a few more people to talk to. That That afternoon, probably the first ten houses that my partner and I knocked at their door about eight out of ten were home, which was real different from the way it was last year. Um we found a variety of responses as probably you did. Um some people were really hostile and practically slammed the door in our faces. Some people were very apathetic about the whole thing, and others just incredibly open. One door that we knocked at, we told the woman, "Hi, we're from Grace Baptist." And she took one step backwards. My partner said I was sure she was going to close the door on us, and she had taken a step backwards to say, "Well, come on in. I'm really glad you came by." And I don't think she was a believer either. We're going to have a further opportunity to share with her. Um Paul Beto and Kim Harris had a very interesting experience on this trip, and I want them to come and share just a little of that with you. Um,
4: <laughs> on Friday, we went, and um, I was really encouraged because the neighborhood that I went kept going back to with different people. Every day, every door, practically, people were open to talk. Um, and on Friday, there was a boy home from school who was 15. He was really smart for his age, though. He was a Jehovah's Witness. And his, his family are nominally Jehovah's Witnesses, but they're not involved. His next-door neighbors are very involved, and they get—his um, name is Frank. They get Frank, and they take him, and they have gotten him really involved in it, too. So we talked to him for about an hour, and he asked us to come back in the afternoon. And so we came back. Um, we went and talked to Mr. Gress and got a bunch of—Mr. Gress used to be a Jehovah's Witness, and he's written books about it and everything. And so we got a bunch of ammunition, and um, so we went back, and— Paul can share a little bit about that.
13: Um, it was really exciting to, I, I guess I learned two things. The first thing was just the the value of our education here. I mean, it was just, I mean, you know, we I've never had any training in cult apologetics or anything, but just going out and having a sound basis in the Bible, having a sound basis in history, having a, just an understanding of, of truth, that we could talk to this guy and basically just... He couldn't say anything. The lies that they preach are just so obviously lies when you're educated. It was exciting to just have, you know, to be able to, you know, bring everything out from, you know, the fact that the heresy that the Jehovah's Witnesses teach was wiped out at the Council of Nicaea in 325 to the fact that, um, that, uh, the doctrine of, of. Of the deity of Christ is is so obviously taught in Scripture. And we could just go from Scripture to Scripture, and you know we weren't prepared. We just we just had had a background, and that was exciting for Kim and I. And the other thing I really learned was just the power of truth. You know, I was just it was just it, it encouraged me to even though it was our voices speaking, I felt like God was speaking through us, and and that the light was shining out and, and confronting darkness. And just to preach the simple gospel was encouraging. And I guess I was struck. What a great testimony word. I, it became really real to me that, um, that that the gospel is true, that grace is free and that we're saved by grace and we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to strive. And it was just so encouraging to have that opportunity. We're going to get to go back to talk to Frank and his Jehovah's Witness friends and uh, this week. And so if you can pray for us, we feel like we're we're in way over our heads, but we know we have the truth and we don't have to be afraid.